Welcome to the Speaking Light into Abortion podcast, where I talk about all the reasons it's possible for you to thrive after your abortion. I'm your host, Amanda Kingsley, and two years after my own abortion, I certified as a life coach so I could serve women after abortion in all the ways they've been deserving and lacking for centuries. Consider this your launchpad for finding strength and community in yourselves and in each other. All right, welcome to another podcast week. Today I have the most beautiful guest who I found again online, the magical internet that connects us all. Uh, Her name is Kawanda Rusk. And um, let's see, I can't even remember how I found that first article you wrote on rewire.news. Is that that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I actually sent a quote of it. I sent a pic, uh, you know, I copied and pasted something you wrote and sent it to a client. And she was like, oh my goodness, reading that was amazing. She sent, she read the whole article and she said, can you invite her on the podcast? I was like, sure, <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> and you responded so quickly. So thank you for being here. Um, do you want to introduce yourself or say anything to, you know, at the beginning here? Yes, I'm um, Kawanda Rusk. I'm a We Testify storyteller, um, and I, I'm just, I'm happy to be here. Ah, so good. Tell me, tell us what a We Testify storyteller is. Yeah, so it's, um, it's a collection of cohorts um, of people who've had abortions, and we um, celebrate our abortions and we um, tell our stories to um, hoping to up- uplift one of our abortions and empower ourselves and our own experiences, but also um, just to provide a different perspective to the world um, about abortion and to kind of um, combat some of the stigma and shame that we know um, is placed on abortion. Oh my goodness. So in reading, I read two of two things you'd written. One was on rewire.news and one was on pop sugar. I'm sure you're in other places. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So if people want to read those, I will link to those articles and you know, all they have to do is Google your name like I did to find you all over the place. But can you tell us how you, how you connected with We Testify and how you, got on this path of supporting other people? Yes, of course. So um, I, it was a personal journey for me. Um, I needed my own abortion at 17. Navigating that process in in Texas, you need parental consent. Um, I had to jump a whole bunch of hoops and loops um, to finally get um, and reach an organization called Jane's Through Process who helps minors in Texas get abortions um, without parental consent. Because at the time, I just couldn't, I mean, it wasn't feasible for me to get consent from my parents. Yeah. Um, through working with them and their partnership and their amazing support with me, I was intrigued and curious, like, wow, I didn't know that this, these type of organizations existed to help people like me. And um, they had mentioned that there would be opportunity to join movement work. The term really at the time at 17, like I'm, I'm a girl from the hood. I don't really know that kind of stuff. I was just kind of surprised and um just like oh okay I mean I don't really know what that is but it sounds cool right Um, I was really just trying to get my abortion at that time so hearing about 
movement work or potential opportunity to join something was just kind of in the air. Um, it didn't kind of transition until later in life when I was going through just my own journeys of um, just looking to find myself and better who I was as a woman. Because I'm a faith person and I'm a Christian, I, yeah. I um, at 18, I started to seek out um, myself in that way. And, and spiritually, it led me to um, um, a Christian summer camp, which when once I was there, I got the opportunity to join the We Testify. Oh, my goodness. So good. So do you mind sharing how, when, how many years ago was that, that you had your abortion, that you were introduced to all of this? <laughs> so I would say it was about three years ago. Um, I had my abortion at 17. I'm, well, I'll say four years. I'm 21. Now. I just turned 21 in June. Yeah. Um, so about four years ago, roughly. And um at the beginning, like I said, I didn't know about movement work. I didn't know about reproductive justice and like the the true the trueness of the systematic barriers to accessing abortion. I was in the mix, and it was just the, something I was in at the time. So afterwards, to join in on these cohorts and receive all this um, really like information. Um, real um like structural information about like the the state where abortion was in the world and in society and the the systems and the laws and re regulations that confounded them and so it was that that bridged that for me like wow i was that that was it, it confirmed to me why it was so hard for me to get my abortion and it was like that was i just had to be a part of you know beating that and getting past that because that, that was just so unfair oh my gosh I am about twice your age and I think about half as wise. So <laughs> I applaud you. Absolutely incredible that you would step into all this. Um, you know, starting as a teenager, it is, I have a almost 16 year old and it's just phenomenal to, to hear and read about where this path has taken you. So I just need to say that like, high fives to you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so amazing. Um, and I don't know that you'll continue to do this work for, um, for your, into your future. But if you do, if you choose to keep this as part of your work, like I can only imagine what, what's next. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm excited for the future. I mean, it's ours. We are literally young people. It's, one one of I always coined this. One of my friends say it all the time. Um, we are really shaking shit up. Um, and you are. Uh, it's time. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay. So let's jump back a little. Um, and I want to read something you wrote from Pop Sugar that you mentioned. You know, when you were just speaking about getting permission from your parents. Um, and. If it's okay with you, I'll just read that and then you can share a little bit more about what, what that was like. Okay. Sweet. Okay, so you wrote, um, I didn't have that kind of relationship with my parents where I felt comfortable enough to go tell them. She said, so the author's writing, that was your quote. <laughs> so she leaned instead on her own relationship with faith, talking to God and carefully considering the kind of life she wanted for herself. And then you wrote, I was in school, or said, 
I was in school thinking about it on my computer, doing some applications. And then I was like, you're planning your future right now. And this one thing could possibly change the way that you navigate that. It's so amazing to me that you had that insight at your age to say, beyond this pregnancy right now, what is the future I want as a woman? How can you speak to that a little? And especially like navigating this, which I'm sure we'll talk more about, but navigating around this relationship you did not, the relationship you had with your parents, which did not include an open conversation and their support. So what do you think it was in you that, that said, wait a second, I'm going to think about my whole future, not just this moment? Um, I think for me, particularly um, being, um, being from a place where there's a lot of poverty and struggle, um, you kind of, when you, when you kind of, you're placed in a point where you see where you are and, and you see like the world around you and, and, that, and, that, and, that, and with that comparison, I was able to see like, I'm, I was at a very young age, I was able to see like my life and my, my parents' life and the, my friends and the things going on around us in my community and how that looked when I went into other communities and other spaces. And so at that time, um, I had already been through so much as a young person. I had already experienced so much. Um, at the, I didn't realize it was systematic issues, um, oppression and things like that, but it, I knew that it was a struggle for me to get somewhere in life. And so for me to, I was, as my parents, even at, they had already instilled in me values and certain traits at an early age. And so I always had this, this, this drive to, pursue more and look mm. and have that hindsight and look beyond um, just my immediate. I say um, as far as without having that relationship with my parents like I wanted to, it's as people um, in our minds kind of do this on our own, you, you see what you don't have and you see what you're missing out of and you kind of like, okay, I don't have these things. Um, I want them, I'm lacking them. How can I give myself that? How, how can I be the support for myself? If, because you can't wait around for someone to you know, give you that support when you need something now. And so it was always in me to just, just to push forward and figure out um, what was right for me. Oh my gosh, amazing. Okay, so let's talk about how you, I'm so, so I, let's just say, and other listeners of the show know that I am not, particularly, I'm not a Christian woman. I'm a spiritual person, but I don't, um, I'm not a part of any organized religion. So one of the things that was so helpful for me in finding your work was being able to share it with some of my clients who do have Christian beliefs. Um, and I do want to talk more about that, but just in that little bit that you wrote, that I just read, you wrote, talking to God and carefully considering the kind of life. So how did you, as a young person, distinguish the, the separateness of like my relationship with God personally versus what the organization says my relationship with God is? Does that 
Does that, am I making any sense? Yes, that that, is, that makes perfect sense. And honestly, it, it hasn't been until like my adult life that I've been able to really fully make those um, distinctions. But at the time, early on, like my, my father made it a, a clear point early on that it was a very personal thing. It was yeah. had to immediately take out everyone else, even himself, things that he, even when he would be hard on me or do things hit certain way. And um, he would always emphasize like, I am your earthly father. Um, you know, even I like, I'm gonna fall short. And so you can't always even fully rely on, you know, just me. And um, I'm not gonna always be there for you, but there is this higher power who is always, always gonna be there. And so to feel that and really have faith in that, you had to make it personal. It, has to, it just had to be for me. Um, I guess it was, it was instilled early on, but I was already just, just through my life and being, going through the different struggles that I went through, facing like homelessness and, um, different, um, just domestic violence issues and things of that nature. I was able to see through the lenses of, um, of that. That's so amazing to me and props to your dad. I would like to shake his hand. <laughs> um, I just, I, I see so many adults, right? Like, and not even adults, like you're describing yourself, but you know, in, into their forties, fifties, sixties, who are just understanding that difference between my relationship with God and my relationship with the religion. And I, I just, I think it's so amazing that, that you got to that point, um, and that you've let it guide you. <laughs> So good. Okay, I want to read something else, unless you have something else to say. Oh, no. Okay, I want to read something else you wrote. Um, and it sort of speaks to, well, it speaks to all of this, but also to um, getting the help you needed when you needed it. So you wrote, or she quoted you, I remember when my attorney explained to me exactly what I had to do. And I was like, I can't do that. As a black person in America, she said, that being you, <laughs> it's a little weird to read this, but other people can go read the article too. Um, the thought of stepping into a courtroom was traumatizing enough on its own. Add, add in asking another human being for permission to make an extremely personal decision. And the experience of uh, experience threatened to feel completely dehumanizing. So this is the experience of getting judicial permission to have your abortion. Yes. And you or she, you were quoted. Um, we all, I feel like, have been given a choice by God, by our Creator. You only have yourself. You can't govern yourself. If you can't govern yourself then what control do you really have over, over anything? That's such a powerful question. I feel like I am botching it by trying to read, but I, again, people can go read. But um, I, it's just this, so many nuggets in there. A, about having to step into the courts and like how dehumanizing that is. Can you start by speaking to that? Yes, I, I was literally terrified. I even, like, to explain how terrified I was, I literally decided not to do go forward. I told her, you know, I don't want to do it. I'm going to continue my pregnancy because I would rather know that I chose to continue my pregnancy, even if I didn't really want to, 
than to give up my um, my autonomy and basically allow someone to make that decision for me. It's just crazy. Uh, it's crazy. So seeing as we're in hopefully very deep systematic shifts in our racial, like all of it, right? In racism and anti-racism work in this country. Um, can you speak a little bit to the difference between me as a white woman being 17, getting that judicial permission, and you as a black woman at 17, stepping into the court system? Um, does, is there something there that you feel like you walk other young black women through that's different then? I think it is just um, really having, being able to share that discernment like, hey, even though you're having to go through a courtroom, even though this is set up as, um, it's, it's not set up in like the criminal way, but it's still, you're still going into a courtroom as a young person, you're still being exposed to systems and things that you may not even understand fully, um, you know, just how the judicial process works. And so just to be met with that, I think you just have to always um, provide that empathy and like explain, you know, this isn't a criminal experience. You're not, you're not doing something wrong because you have to go through this process to get what you need and want, which is an abortion, which is healthcare. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know any statistics about like, how the system, how, like what the outcomes of that, um, okay, here's a question. How many young women or people who choose to go through that court system are denied or permitted, <laughs> but it sounds so crazy to even say it, given judicial permission to have an abortion? Like what are the statistics around that? So I don't know that exactly off back, but I know that Jane's Due Process, the organization that um, helped me get my abortion, they do have that information. Um, it should be on their website. They track that information. They, um, they talk about um, those, different, um, those different numbers. And I do know that oftentimes, um, even particularly in Texas, women or young people are denied um, simply because that's what the death is that's the judge's choice yeah, it had nothing to do with that young person's maturity which is what a judicial process is supposed to be you know for but it's also just giving yourself over to the courts and allowing them to ultimately decide for you oh my goodness i can only imagine um well you probably felt it right like you had an angel on your side like a human angel on your side going through the process yourself but now you get to be a part of that for other young women yes that was incredible that was incredible. So amazing um okay so another thing that you said here oh tell me what was that website again so that i can um oh jane's due process okay dot org jane's due process right okay i want to read one more thing from that article you um uh it reads for Rusk, that'd be you, <laughs> sharing her story means helping to lift the immense weight of shame off the shoulders of others. I don't really think a lot of good things come from secrecy, you, you said. A member of Youth Testify, a joint leadership program between the NNAF, which is the National Abortion Fund, 
correct? Yes, the National Network of Abortion. Yep. And, and advocates for youth. She hopes she's able to reach those feeling most alone. That's sort of that angel thing I'm talking about, <laughs> right? And you wrote, as a black person, we don't talk about these things a lot. Um, sex isn't talked about. The whole idea about a woman's anatomy is so secret. Being visible about her path to abortion could be life-changing for someone who feels like no one in their immediate community understands. And you wrote, we need to have these conversations because people's lives are at stake. So good. So tell me I'm just feeling all of that. It's like, I remember that moment. I'm taking, me, taking myself back to that moment. Um, did you have a question particularly about that? Yeah, well, I'm just curious. What kind of work do you do or share or talk about um, in terms of sex ed for young, young people? Generally, um, I, I literally express myself because I don't have a, um, I'm building my platform right now. Um, so typically I, I kind of have, it's more personal interactions that I get to have with my community, whether yeah. it's family or, um, people who follow me on social media, different, um, personal connections that people may reach out to me and ask me questions or they may, I post different, um, information from, you know, radical sex, sex education sources that I believe are appropriate for young people. And so um, I think that even when like when to speak on that, um, just that part about not being able to talk about sex and like then to have to need an abortion like that, that was a real critical moment for me, I think, because like I already to tell my parents I needed abortion, I would have to tell them that I was having sex and that well, that these events were taking place. And so if I couldn't do that, um, you know, it was just, it, it just made it real hard to, um, to, to grow, um, like in that, like in that secrecy, not being able to share. Yeah. Like, that I was having sex and not even know like where I was getting my information from and just having these outs outsiders, you know, the world have a lot of different avenues for you to receive um, different information. And so not having a source where it was real and true, you know, you was just exposed to so much more. Yeah, I feel like there's, so there's so many layers I and mean, there's always so many layers, right? But I, a lot, a lot of what I hear, um, I'm curious about what kinds of programs are out there for Christian, like that, that speak to this idea of sex and Christianity, not just like abortion, right? So, oh gosh, I'm stumbling over my words, but it's very different for me to talk about sex with my teenage girls because I don't have that background of like what's morally right from a Christian background versus like just what I think is morally right as a human, right? So yes. what kind of programs or what do you have to say to any Christian person listening, but particularly young Christian women listening who are in that struggle in their head? It's, in, it's important to, um, that's a, like, 
it's, it's crazy, but um, as a faith person, your God is that like, he has all the answers for you. And if you really, you can ask him, you know, like, what is, what is like sex in my life? What is like, how do I um, navigate sex in my life? You can have that conversation with him and he will reveal to you those answers and give you that peace and the, the sense of whatever you need from, from that experience, you will be, it will be given to you. And I know that because um, personally, I've, I've asked so many questions, why this, why that, and um, how this, and how that, and I've received so many answers. And I just say to young people, ask the questions, um, find other um, people who are more advanced in the faith, older, who may have more experience, ask them, you know, how do we navigate and talk about sex in, um, you know, in faith communities? How do we come from this, you know, this secular, you know, sex is only for marriage kind of mentality and actually provide to those for when that may not be the case, because oftentimes it isn't for most Christian people. We are, does that, and that doesn't take away our, you know, our faith because, you know, um, and that's, it's really important to make those, um, those distinguishments or those differences. Ah, I want to hug you right through the screen. <laughs> um, so again, you're speaking to that concept of like cultivating a relationship with God, right? Yes. And literally asking these questions. So when you say that and someone's listening who hasn't done that themselves, are you, when you say, I ask and then I hear an answer, like, are you hearing it in a thought in your head? Are you journaling and writing answers? Like, how do you cultivate that relationship if you're a Christian person who doesn't already have it? For me, um, I think um, it, it's, it happens in different moments. Um, I, I, I'll, maybe I'll pray about something and maybe it'll, someone, I'll have a conversation with someone later. And they, they may not even be a person of faith, but they may say something that speaks to a prayer that I send up. And so mm-hmm. for me to have that connection and be able to understand that, hey, I, I prayed about this and someone's able to come in and talk about this, to have that connection means to have faith in that and trust that, okay, wait, was this a, was this a divine connection? Was this the answer I was seeking? Or it may be um, a moment where I was journaling or um, a conversation or something I say to someone. It, it happens in different ways, but it's about believing in um the sureness of that your answers or the the questions you have will be answered in um and oftentimes they are they are the answers are yeah yeah do you remember when you first started building that relationship and asking or praying and then hearing and seeing the answers do you remember look because I've done that I do that myself but it's just with a maybe it's the same God. I don't know. Right. I don't know. I do the same thing. So it's probably right. Um, but do you remember at the beginning, like asking or praying and then kind of in retrospect going, Oh, that answer was given to me. I just didn't listen. Yes. Oftentimes. And then you, you have to, I have, sometimes I have to move myself out of a place of like condemning myself because I'll like, mm-hmm. you can, you see where you like, ah, I, I missed it. And I could have, if I just did this one thing, or if I just turned this one corner, I would have had it, but he doesn't want you to do that. He doesn't want like everything that literally happens is perfect. Literally. He, yeah. uh, he's the author. He writes it. And 
Um, it's all by design and I believe that. So I know um, and I have full faith that regardless of the choices, if I don't make the right, de right decision in that moment, um, it, it can still like you can always turn a, a, a wrong choice or decision right or better and make it good or be make it be used for something better oh so good okay so that brings me to um the other thing that i read um from rewire.news there was so much in just these two i was like okay we're just gonna <laughs> we're not gonna go yes, further than that today but people again can find all of your work but something you wrote there speaks to exactly what you're saying now which was um I soon realized each and every moment in my life led me here. Having access to an abortion when I needed it allowed me to escape an abusive relationship and plan my family the way I wanted. But attending camp, because this article is about attending a Christian camp, attending camp taught me something invaluable. God wanted me to open myself up to the life experiences I had shut out because God knew my experiences could be used to help people. Through Youth, youth Testify, I did just that, and it was powerful from the start. Yes. Oh, so good. So um, can you speak a little to that experience you had, and people can read again, but can you speak a little to that experience you had going to this camp and it opening doors? To yes. Another, yeah. Um, so in life, um, I think that when you're in a hard spot and when you're in a situation, it's hard to look beyond that moment. It's hard to look beyond the immediate need to survive. It's hard to even sometimes get out of a situation because you're so close. And so in my domestic violence relationship, I didn't even know that's what it was. It, was, it wasn't until I got into um, reproductive justice and movement work that I started learning these terms and these these ways of being and like these manipulative ways of how like people could treat you and you know kind of understanding um you know womanism and misogynist um actions and just understanding those differences and so as I was learning this it was like wow I had been experiencing this all along and I never knew that and I was accepting you know this horrible treatment because I thought that this was what was for me and it wasn't and it took me having to go to camp and get like really pull myself out of that situation, go miles away and be alone by myself um, and looking like to be able to look into that, like, wow, that, that situation was not good for you. And I had so many just spiritual moments at camp where I just was able to literally spend hours with myself and like just surrounded by nature and water and like beautiful scenery. Mm. Um, just, just being able to breathe that even that alone and not worry about um the space the camp space is protected it's closed off you you know no outsiders if you're not working at the camp you can't be at the camp you we couldn't really um have access to the outside where we we didn't have our phones and things like that it was literally a moment for you to just really um develop yourself spiritually personally and grow other people of, um, in the christian faith and so um i had a lot of time to really consider my life and look at everything that I had been through and 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 throughout the different conversations that I had with the, the spiritual leaders there um I I will get revelations about um who I was and what my purpose was and I remember even in those moments praying um like for 
just opportunity, like, give me something here. Like, if, if this is my life, if these are all the experiences that I've been going through, they could be used for more than me just having to go through them, then give me that. I'm ready for that. And literally, I, I just got that email from the We Testify um, leaders, and I was blown away because literally I talked to the, even the people at the camp. Like, y'all, just, you know how I was telling you, you guys that I wanted um, some to be a part of something more. I wanted to use, you know, my life experience and the things that I have been through to just do more, be more. And that was always my prayer daily, 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 just to grow and develop myself and stay in, in the world and in my community and in my family. And to have, get, to have gotten that, that, exp that experience, like in, I needed to be there to get it. Like if I hadn't, I knew if I was back home and I had got that, I would not have joined We Testify because of the lifestyle and the things that was going around in that environment. It took me to get out of that situation, to be placed in a safer environment, mm. live with myself, live with other people, to be loved in a different way, and to be able to receive the We Testify. Wow. And how did you connect with the camp originally? Was that through your church? Was it through your parents? What was, how, how did you end up? Yeah. <laughs> so the camp, it's a, um, it's very personal. I, um, I've always been in like the church. Um, my, my dad, um, he gave his life to the Lord at 16. And so he's always been eminent about that with us. We've always done just community things with our church. I was always a part of the youth leadership, the, um, the different church events that we would do. And they partnered with different organizations that took literally took um, urban youth who had never been anywhere else to a different place where they could be themselves and provide them with experience that was not like no other because, you know, when you're from, you know, the hood and the struggle and poverty, there is a certain environment there. But when you come into a place where there's, you know, there's going to be food provided, you know, there's going to be a time and a place for certain things that's structured, you just, it allows you to be free. It allows you to kind of take those shackles off, take those, um, those burdens off and just really develop. And that was needed. And um, so the community, um, the church, they always did that. They always took um, young people to that space to get that experience. And it's a, it's a big camp. A lot of organizations partner with the camp and it's, um, it's, it's called Kids Across America, and literally they bring just hundreds of thousands of kids um, each year to the, the campsite to experience um, the Christian, the, the Christian um, faith. Awesome. I love it. Are you still connected with that camp at all in any way? Or? Um, yes. So I have a lot of, um, I met, I have a lot of personal relationships with a lot of the women um, who I worked with in I, we, we talk often, uh, I see them, on, we have them on social media. The, um, the also, I went back to the camp as a different, in a different setting for my, um, for my church. And I also, um, through that um, lens, I get to have access to some of their, um, their activity and things they do. Nice, that's awesome, so good to hear. Um, okay, so I wanna ask you a question that I, um, but I'm still, I'm still new to this work and coaching women after their abortions. I have feel very clear about 
what worked for me and what didn't work and being able to share lots of tools and resources. But again, I don't personally have that Christian background. So I find that some of the women who reach out to me who struggle the most are really struggling with regret that they made a bad choice. And I, I, again, I'm not a religious person, but I even remember thinking like, God sent me this baby. Why would I say no? (laughs) I didn't maybe use the same language, but I was like, there must be a reason this baby's here. Now I realize it was so I could do this. But a lot of women struggle with regret and then forgiveness. Do you have any words of wisdom for those women? So um, you mentioned that um, regret stems from the idea that you made a bad choice. Yeah. When you think about God, take bad out of th- take bad out of that because God, Cheers. there is no bad with God. There is like with if there was bad with God, um, he I mean he couldn't he couldn't be God. It wouldn't it wouldn't make sense in that way. And so if you if you knew that much or if you just have faith in that much, um, you kind of. It takes time because I know at a point it took me literally opening up to, I literally shut that part of me out. I didn't, like, I literally had my abortion and that was it. I didn't talk about it. I didn't, I literally continued. I did what I wanted to do. Literally, I went to college. I pursued that. I did everything that I was trying to do for my life. Um, And so it took me opening up to the fact that I had had an abortion and what that meant for me in my life and talking to people in um, the my cohort and having many, um, like many moments with them, even talking to them about it, um, just being a person of faith and what that means. Um, but you have to know that there is literally nothing you can do to escape God's grace and love. And there is no decision, no choice that you can make that will make him love you less. If you, Give him your heart, which is all he asks for, which is all he wants. If you love other people, that is enough. It's not about, um, you know, right or wrong, bad or good. That doesn't exist, especially when you simply needed health care. You needed an abortion, and that's okay. And um, you shouldn't, if you, like, personally, um, you know, you have to get through your emotions on your own. So I, I won't, I won't say like you shouldn't regret, but when you, when you have that feeling of regret, acknowledge it. Yeah. Get it to God and say, you know, I feel this way, but I know that you don't, you don't, he doesn't, he doesn't condemn us. So he, he doesn't want us to condemn ourselves. And so let it go. You know, Christ died for all of that already. And so it's no need to hold on to, um, to something when you, you made a choice and a decision to go forward in your life and that that's enough. Mm, thank you for sharing that. Um, amazing. Okay. So there's one last thing I want to read from that rewire and then, um, and then we'll just wrap up with whatever's lingering, if that's okay with you. So you wrote, um, I think this, this was what I shared with two of my clients actually. You wrote, I've grown so much since my abortion, and I'm grateful every day that I can help others. There is space for us in this movement, even if it means creating that space for ourselves by shouting our abortion experiences. 
Some people say they don't believe in abortion, but abortion doesn't need you to believe in it. Abortion is essential health care, and it will always be needed. I believe in a loving God, a God who understands our unique situations and sees us in our entirety. I believe this was God's plan for me. I, like my head is just tingling, so beautiful. Do you want to add anything to that or? I would love it? to. Yeah. Um, just if you, if, 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 um, if you read your Bibles and we know we've seen the stories, we hear the stories of just how Jesus showed up in spaces. He always went to the spaces he was least wanted, least, least, least visible. And so if, if, a, if you don't think God wants to be a part of abortion, I'm telling you you're wrong because I'm a person who believes in God and I've had an abortion and I know tons of people who have abortions, who've had abortions, who are Christians. And um, the statistics even show that most people who have abortions are faith believers. So um, I'm just here to say that he wants to be a part of this and he doesn't want to be left out of it. And if you are a person of faith and you've made a choice and if you don't think your you don't think your creator wants to be a part of it, I mean that that's ridiculous. No, he does. He really does. He wants to be a part of his entire life, everything. So I think every unique um every unique um situation and experience that we go through, um he, he's like literally holding your hand and like, you know, wants to walk with you, wants to be there for you. Oh, so I just know for sure so many women are going to love hearing this episode. And I will probably listen it, to it myself multiple times. <laughs> I can't thank you enough. You did say at one point that you were building a platform. Tell us what that means and how people can continue to follow your work and learn from you and reach out to you if that's something you invite. Um, tell us more. Certainly. So I'm in the middle of like website creations and just getting my social media platform to like identically look like um, my expression and my um, way of life, my lifestyle as a person of faith who celebrates the fact that she's had an abortion and um, also other parts of the um, reproductive justice spectrum because not only um like we it's not just abortions you know it's it's my my livelihood as a black person it's um the people around me my community so as we look at that i think um just um i have a lot of social media platforms twitter facebook instagram um and i'm in the middle of just building up um, a website to um to showcase, you know, my storytelling, my my work, and where I've um, in all the like the um, media platforms that I've published. In. Oh, okay, all right. Well, again, you were easy, really easy for me to find. I just Googled, so <laughs> anyone can find you, and we'll look forward to your website launching. And seriously, you you said you're 21. Yes. Oh my gosh, there's so much more to come from you, whether it is in this work or some other work, like it's going to be amazing. Um, so thank you for sharing with us. Uh, if you have anything else you want to say, now is the time or we can uh, just close. Yes, I'd like to say one more thing and that's just to um, invite anyone who, um, who's had an abortion and would like to share that experience. You, you're, we, all, we Testify takes um, story submissions. We are an open, inclusive 
organization and we would love to welcome you and celebrate you. Um, there are communities and resources out here um, celebrating and supporting people, folks who have abortions. Thank you so, so much. We will link to the links that you shared and um, hopefully more people will feel brave enough after listening to you to step into some of this work. And I know it's not everyone's calling to speak. I, you know, I call it speaking light into abortion, but I know it's not everyone's calling to step into the system after they've had an abortion. But I think for many of us, it is. And it does bring a lot of meaning and a lot of more love and empowerment to be able to do that. Most certainly. Oh, okay. Well, I don't want it to end, but thank you so much. Um, and we'll stay in touch. It was my pleasure, Amanda. Thanks for listening. And as always, please consider sharing, rating, and reviewing this podcast. It helps me reach a wider audience and invites more people to thrive after abortion. If you're someone who chose abortion and find yourself struggling, hiding, or wishing you could move beyond your experience, head over to my website and book a free call. We'll talk about how you can start living the life you made your choice for.